Welcome to Away From The Keyboard. We give you a glimpse into the lives, interests, and tech behind today's technologists. Please join our hosts, Cecil Phillip and Richie Rump, as we get away from the keyboard. Welcome to Away From The Keyboard, where technologists tell their stories of how they started, how they grew, how they learned, and how they unwind. My name's Richie Rump, and joining me is my co-host, Cecil Phillip. How you doing today, Cecil? I'm looking forward to this episode, Richie. How are you doing? <laughs> Going straight to the meat of it, huh? Let's <laughs> Going straight to the meat of it. <laughs> I'm doing pretty good, man. How are you doing? Good, good. You know, this weekend is, was kind of like every other weekend where um, family and I play lots of board games, man. We, we just we, we just been playing a ton of stuff as of recently. Have you, you know, guys gotten some new games? We we have. We've gotten some new stuff. Um, I just... Okay. I just my my daughter and I have been playing this deck building game called Hero Realms, that um, is gorgeous art and it's a lot of fun just to pick them and play pretty quickly. Another game called Onitama, and that is a think of chess with only five pieces, and you can only move you only have two moves that you can move your pieces with. Um, what really gets hit the table a lot these days. Um, Marvel Legendary, which is another deck building game based on the Marvel um, stuff, and um, oddly enough, Catan. Catan gets gets played a fair amount too. If you that's one of your favorite games. So. Catan is 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 there. You know, we've got games for how many people are there, what kind of mood they're in, what kind of theme. So we've 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 been building up a library a bit. I like Catan because it's interactive. And it's it's a good Monopoly replacement. So it's like if Monopoly was fun, like this is the game that you would that you would play. So a lot of trading going on, a lot of that kind of stuff. I did see Kristen Bell and her husband uh, play it uh, the other night. That was on. She tweeted that out. That was pretty cool. But so if you just want to get into board games and you just say, hey, what would be the first one to buy? I would say get Catan or get something called Ticket to Ride. Ticket to Ride is another one of those that, that we like a lot. Um, that was actually our first intro to board games. So, so yeah, that's we do that a lot and um, always buying new stuff and always playing games, man. That's what we do. So what about you, man? What you been up to? So yeah, so I'm actually looking forward to getting back into the studio, man. I'm recording another one of my online courses. You know, this time I'm going to be flying out to Arizona to do some some recording in the studio. So it's been a little bit since I was there the last time. So I'm definitely looking forward to you know getting back in and you know just you know just getting back in front of the cameraman and having some fun. Yeah, um, I, I really am looking forward to seeing some of those those videos that you have because I haven't seen any of them yet. Neither me. <laughs> <laughs> so no, when kidding, they're released. No, I'm kidding. I've seen, I've obviously seen my videos, but um, yeah, they're definitely online. You know, and if anybody's interested, you guys could go and check out globalknowledge.com. And uh, you know, when when this one's over, I could let you guys know, so you can go check it out too. Yeah, that'd be great, man. I think uh, I think some people will actually be interested in seeing how you are on video. Ooh, imagine that. So who are we talking to today? So today we're talking to Joe Rayo. So Joe's a Microsoft technical evangelist based in Miami, Florida. As a technical evangelist, Joe primarily focuses on presentations leveraging the Microsoft stack focused on web development and cloud technology. Prior to becoming an evangelist for Microsoft, Joe successfully owned and operated three small businesses centered around web development and marketing. To learn more about Joe, visit his website at joerayo.com. This episode was recorded on December 7th, 2016, and now our conversation with Joe Rayo. 
And now, away from the keyboard's feature conversation. So for today's episode, I'd like to welcome another uh, special guest away from the keyboard. Today we have Joe Rayo. So Joe, would you mind uh, just briefly introducing yourself and letting our guests know exactly who you are? Thank you, Cecil. Um, I am a .NET developer um, by trade. Uh, currently, I am an evangelist for Microsoft, which basically means I get to go around and teach other developers and students about cool technologies and uh, just have a strong background in uh, web development. So Joe, I know you have a really interesting backstory. And so kind of what I want to do with you is go all the way back to, you know, when you really started to get into technology and when you really started to get into programming and kind of bring it up to, to present day and kind of, you know, kind of look and see how, how that journey happened for you. Okay. So tell me, what is it exactly that got you really interested and, and really passionate about learning technology? Um, money. <laughs> so yeah, yeah just to be, just to be <laughs> blunt, um, I started, uh, you know, Right out of high school, you know, I, I was always fascinated with technology, actually way before that. I mean, I programmed in, in QBasic, I think, in, in middle school and just just always loved technology. I was always a nerd. But uh, really, it really started with when I got out of high school and I wanted to just start working right away and, you know, didn't want to do the college thing. Just wasn't in the cards for me. And the big thing at that time was getting your MCSE and like networking. So that's actually where I started is getting my MCSE uh, learning about networking, you know, subnet masking, all that stuff. And, you know, it was, it was a great job, still is a great job to be doing network support and that type of stuff. Ended up bringing me into doing tech support, which was great training, but very quickly wanted to pull my hair out. And that's kind of how I made the jump into, you know, doing development because the web developers I had met and programmers were actually a lot happier than the people doing uh you know, networking and troubleshooting servers and stuff like that. So what was some of the first languages that you played with when you started programming? So when I started doing it professionally, the very first language is obviously doing HTML and JavaScript, but I started in classic ASP. So it was classic ASP all the way. I was, you know, websites with uh, MS Access databases, oh, <laughs> which, no. yeah, so no. bad. Yeah, so, so bad. And um SQL, you know, eventually, and then, uh, you know, slowly moved up from there to .NET and all VB.NET, which was hilarious because I, I still did VB.NET up until not too long ago. But yeah, so classic ASP, HTML, JavaScript, very limited PHP. And yeah, it was the good old days. It was fun. It's funny because I was actually expecting you to say something like Foxborough and like no. COBOL or something. <laughs> no, I did do, like I said, I did do QBasic and, um, back in the day. And so I, I actually built full-on programs with that, but that was more for fun. Nothing, you know, no paid gigs with that. <laughs> and so what was your first technology lab like? Like, what was your first, uh, what was your first gig? Well, the, the first one where I, th I feel I, I made a lot of headways, I worked for a company called uh, The Answer Group, and I still think they're around in, uh, in North Fort Lauderdale. And they were um, so compact computers used to sub to them for technical support. So I handled their their technical support for their compact Presario laptop division. You know, so dealing with angry people all day where their laptops didn't work. And keep in mind, this was before the remote desktop days. So troubleshooting was hell. So when someone would call and say something didn't work, it was like I had to kind of figure out what was on their screen, walk them through it, and. You know, I think that's where I learned patience. So it was rough and just learning just how little 
some people know about computers and people that shouldn't own computers. <laughs> so that was rough. <laughs> um, but I did that. I, I actually, but I moved up very quickly in the company and uh, got as high as I could pretty much as far as, you know, doing tech support or whatnot and ended up leaving there to take a junior position in web development because it just got way, way too stressful. And so what, I really actually jumped into, you know, full-time web development. It was in the year, uh, actually, yeah, it was t- uh, 99 or 2000, I want to say. And that's when I started. It was it was just literally I was hired to do basic updates on websites. So so back in the day, email marketing, it used to be much more um, profitable, like everything else, to where if uh, you were Ford and you wanted to send an email out to 100,000 you know, males over the age of 40 that made at least 75,000 a year, that would cost $100,000, where, where today that would cost you like maybe $1,000. So there were tons of email marketing companies, especially in Boca. So I, ent- I went to work for one where I basically managed all their your sweepstakes and their opt-in websites and just constantly updated content, news, you know, very, very basic stuff. But it proved to be very, very valuable training. So, so 20 years into the game, right? Like how does, how does the beginning of your career and the ecosystem and the, and the community around that compare to what it looks like today? Um, the community, in my opinion, has grown tremendously. So uh, obviously, you know, I feel like there's, the technology has advanced so much that there's so many different areas that people could be in that there's, there's more of a community so people can share information and help each other out a lot. I felt like, at least me personally, when I was, you know, starting out and, you know, again, back in 2000, 2001, I was in Boca at the time and I didn't know of any tech communities. It was like we had the, the few people that we worked with and um, we'd help each other or whatnot, but there wasn't much of a community in that area. So now I, I feel like the community is definitely growing larger. Um, the startup scene is, is much bigger, is especially focused around technology. And it just, it helps to grow things pretty rapidly. One other thing too, is just like, it's what's fun to see are the trends over the years. So back when I did start in Boca, there were email marketing companies on every single corner. It was such a big market. And then, you know, that just, boom, they just took a huge dive and uh, a lot of them went out of business. A few stayed around and that whole landscape changed. And then how the technology itself changed how these businesses just really had to survive. So, um, so yeah, it, it's changed. I mean, it's a, a lot, <laughs> tremendously. Right. And so your job today, you know, you're a senior technical evangelist at Microsoft. So a part of your job is to go around and educate people about the potential for technology, what technology is available and, and some of those type of things. So I'm guessing you really didn't have people like you when you were growing up, right? So No, at least I, at least I didn't know any. <laughs> at least you didn't know any, right? Right. So how did you go and find information? Like, what was your source of, you know, knowledge? Luckily, I had some mentors that I worked with. So I had a couple different people, some friends of mine, which actually one of them was the, the drummer of a band I was in for a long time, which I could tell you about in a little bit. But um, so I had people that I worked with that I looked up to. And when there were new technologies that, you know, either they would introduce it to me or I'd read a, a tech article on something or, you know, you just talk to another developer at the company saying, hey, check this out. What I found, you know, let's let's give this a shot. But it was really just learning from other developers that had already tested out this new technology or stumbled across something that they thought we should try. So one thing I wanted to want to ask you about. So I know you had a company 
Right. And I know you started your own company and you, you know, you had clients and, mm-hmm. you know, you, you, you did your own services. Like what, at what point in your career did you really decide to take the plunge in terms of becoming an entrepreneur and a businessman? And, and, and how, you know, could you tell us a little bit about what that experience was like for you? Sure. Um, that I can definitely give you a lot of insight on. So I actually had uh, three different companies. Um, oh, the wow. first. Yep. And I sold all of them or I sold two of them. I'm sorry. And I sold out of the third one technically. So the first one. So I've been a musician my entire life. Like my everyone on my father's side of the family played music. Music was always a big thing. So I've been playing guitar my entire life. So um, I was in a band for a while. It was a heavy metal band called Scars of Life. I'll send you the Spotify link. And we were uh, signed to a, a label under Warner Brothers and played and had a lot of fun. And we were all, it's funny is that we were all were into tech. So my singer was a, an IT guy. My drummer who I was telling you about is kind of a mentor. He's, at, I consider one of the best programmers, developers to this day that I know. Um, back, it was 2002, 2003. Do you guys remember there was a site called mp3.com? Yep, I remember back that. In the, okay, well, so it was funny. We were one of the, t- we, actually, we were number one in heavy metal. I don't know how many months in a row, you know, years in a row. So ver- we were, big on the site. And then one day they announced, if you recall, they were going bankrupt and they were going to, you know, go under. So literally my drummer calls and he goes, Hey dude, let's build an mp3.com. And I'm like, yeah, right. And, and literally like two weeks later, he calls up and he kind of like had like a very simple, like proof of con- like a prototype, you know, like a, like a, and I'm like, okay, you're serious about this. Let's really do this. And it started off as like a side, just something for fun to build so we could promote our band, really. We built this site called audiostreet.net, and it started off very, very small. And before you know it, we had like 50,000 bands. We had half a million members. I mean, and it was generating revenue, and that's kind of that kind of gave me the itch. I'm like, okay, this is pretty cool. I, can, I mean, it wasn't making us a lot of money, but it was, you know, a check showed up every month from advertising revenue we had paying bands on the site because back then you know you know uh, hosting was a lot more expensive so if you were in a band and you wanted to host a simple band website we gave you that tool to where you uploaded a profile picture it was it was like a myspace or a facebook for bands you know right so that kind of gave me the itch and then i was still working for companies and then what happened was uh in 2005 i was working for a company and it got to the point where me and, a, and another, actually two friends of mine working there, we were presenting ideas to this to the CEO as a small company saying, hey, here's a way we can make our department make more money. Here's more that we could be doing. And he's like, no, no, I don't want to do it. Don't want to do it. And I was like, okay, that's fine. So we went and just did it on our own. And uh, truth be told, uh, he found out about uh, about that we were doing it and he, and like two months later fired us on the spot. <laughs> so Whoa. yeah, it was, it was an interesting day and I'd never been let go of my life. But what was great though, is that was the final, like, okay, you know, we're doing this already on the side. So at that point, that's when that was in 2005, me and two other partners separate from my music website, which was still running, started a company called TriSoft Media. And it was simply a services company. So if you needed a website done, whether you were in, AC repair shop, a restaurant, or a Fortune 500 company, you'd come to us and we build you a website. And it started off small. We got a small, actually, we first started working at one of the guys' house for a little bit, and then we got a very tiny office in Boca. Did that for uh, two years. About a year in, we got an entertainment client that was a public company, 
and they wanted us to build a social network. And then I'd shown them my Audio Street website, like, oh, we want something just like this, blah, blah. So we ended up building this, this great website. They became our largest client. And after about a year of them being our client, they said, hey, we just want to buy you guys. And so they bought my music website. They bought uh, Trisoft Media. And then that was the, the first big sale I had or whatnot. What's good about that is I had a lot of good and a lot of bad come with that. A lot of lessons I could tell people about. <laughs> so, so yeah, it was fun. And then basically from there, we fulfilled our contract or we were had our part of the contract is we had to work for that company for a year. Didn't go so well. Like they ran the company completely differently. So we bailed out at the end of the year. And then one of my business partners at the time convinced me to go on and start the next company, which was 561 Media. And that was the one that I uh, was at the longest. So that one we started in 2008, I want to say. And then we built it up from just me and him to about, at its height, maybe 20 employees or so. And decent size office in Boca. And that's and I left there about 18 months ago. Just uh, they were going down one path. My heart wasn't in it. So we parted ways, you know, very amicable type of thing. One of the things I, I like to ask our guests that have started business before was... Going through that process, you know, did you prior to this have any type of background in business? Did you understand how structuring accounts and like, did you know anything about business before you actually went in and jumped in and started a business? Absolutely nothing. I I knew about, you know, that if I needed to make this much and the client was paying me this much (laughs) that I could pay my bills, that was it. And so Learned a lot of lessons the hard way as far as, you know, like you were saying, like the right type of accounts, taxes, you know, I was, we couldn't afford to hire an accountant. So I was the accountant and filed a couple things wrong, got a couple notices from the IRS, all that type of stuff. So, so yeah, I learned as I went along. So by the time I got around to doing the the third company, it was, uh, you know, had learned a lot and things went a lot smoother. So tell us a little bit then, how did you, how did you end up getting an evangelist position at Microsoft and maybe even too telling us a little bit what an evangelist does. Sure. So um, I have to give full credit to my wife. So th- my last day with um, uh, my previous company was, uh, what was it, like March 31st, uh, 2015. So right around then I was contemplating exactly what you were saying. Like, do, should I just, you know, I have enough people that I know that I could just do work on the side till I figure out what I really want to do and started another company or whatnot. And my wife was sick of seeing me stressed out. She's like, you know, pick some companies that you really like out there that you just would want to go work for and just send them a resume. And I'm like, resume? I'm like, man, I haven't done a resume in like 15 years, (laughs) you know? So that was a weird concept to me, you know? And also I was really afraid about the whole corporate life and that type of stuff. But I just happened to search on the Microsoft site and I had no idea what an evangelist was. I literally read the description. I'm like, is this sales? Is this, I, but I see there's, you gotta be a coder. I'm like, whatever. Sent them my resume and they called a week later and five interviews later, they offered me the position. So no. yeah. And um, basically what an evangelist does, it's not sales, uh, which is great. But basically my job is to, you know, educate um, students and developers and also really promote the technologies that we have available out there and just let people know what they're capable of. So like one of the biggest things I always talk about is like, you know, people know we have a cloud and they still think, oh, but you have to run .NET on, on our cloud. It's like, well, no, it fully supports open source. You can run whatever you want on it. So it's my job to to get the message out and really 
you know, let people know about the cool stuff and, and the companies that are using our cloud and, and how they can take advantage of it. And even to that point, too, and, and particularly when it comes to, to your job, I'm sure you're in a position that you have to constantly be learning, right? Because right. when you're put in a position, let's say you're working with company X, right? And company X presents you a problem. Um, and you might not necessarily know the domain knowledge about that, right? Or you might not necessarily know, you know, how to do this new thing in Azure, right? Like, obviously, you have to go through the learning process, right? And try and, yep. and figure out what's the best way for me to approach this or for your company to approach this and, and try and apply that. A hundred percent. And that's actually, that is the toughest part of the job. That's the only part, if, if there is any stress, it's that because working for Microsoft, when you go to a meetup group or you go somewhere, they do expect you to be the expert no matter what. And there's so many new things and people like you had that great question about service fabric and Azure functions before. I'd love to be able to answer that perfectly, but I just can't, you know, I, it's, it's something I have to dive deeper into. So it's really a matter of, taking the time. I'm doing online courses every week myself. I do try to, if I can, narrow down to a couple specific areas so that, you know, I, I say it all the time, jack of trades, master of none, because I end up working on so many different things. But I like, I've been doing a lot with Azure Functions recently. I do a ton with Azure Web Apps so that I'm stay an expert in those areas and then have a little bit of knowledge about a couple other things. Like I get HoloLens development questions all the time. So I have a bit of knowledge on that as well. And it's just just random stuff floating around in my head. I don't ever think that you're an expert, Joe. So you Oh, thank that. you. That means a lot to me. <laughs> so much love on this podcast, man. This yeah. is amazing. Oh, man. Wait till you have a problem with your Azure function. Don't call me. <laughs> I'll call an expert. In <laughs> yes, please. Please do. So what I want to know, Joe, and, I, and I'm assuming that, you know, when you're 11, 12 years old, you're not saying, I want to be a Microsoft employee and I, I want to be able to work three, four years in a row without having a vacation. I'm assuming that's not what was going through your head, you know, as a kid. So tell me more about your experience in a band and being signed and how did all that come about? Was that a passion of yours as a kid? Well, yeah, there are two different paths there. So from a super young age, I was just always fascinated with computers uh, and tech, or just technology in general. We couldn't, uh, you know, younger, we couldn't afford a computer. I didn't get a computer till I was, so I did my QBasic course in middle school and I didn't own a computer at home. So I was in sixth and seventh or yeah, I think sixth, seventh and eighth grade doing the computer program. And I didn't have a computer until I think it was late eighth grade or like high school when I actually got a computer. So once I got it, I appreciated it. And then that was back then when um, we had BBSs. I don't know if you guys remember those with dial modems. Oh, yeah, baby. Yeah. So I was big into that and, you know, had my awesome, you know, first 2400 baud modem. Then when I got my 14.4, I was, you know, the sh it was great. So anyway, so it was just, I always loved that stuff. I was a nerd at heart. It's just something that clicked with me. Separately, just music was always my dad's whole side of the family. Everyone was musicians, played guitar or whatnot. And I just, from a very young age, my dad, like, I remember he picked up a guitar and he's like, oh, let me show you. And he played a song and like this light bulb went off. I'm like, I need to do that, <laughs> you know? And so separately, I always just played guitar. And then I was in bands from probably 13 years old. And then real started getting serious about bands, like when I was 17, 18, and I joined an already established band 
and then they kind of reconfigure themselves and like and uh you know, around like 99, 2000, we just played all throughout South Florida and we made a name for ourselves. We were drawing like two, 300 people to a show. You know, we'd go up to Orlando, play shows, St. Pete, you know, Tampa, Jacksonville, all that stuff. And then we started getting noticed by people. UFC noticed us. This was back, you know, UFC 40, I think, or 42, I want to wow. say. Yeah, they paid for us to, they came down here, they signed us just to a one-off small deal, and they um, we recorded at, you know, Criteria, the hit factory in Miami. Yep. They put us up for a weekend. Like, I was there, literally, I tell the story all the time. Like, I, we were in Studio C, where Hotel California was recorded, which was crazy that we're even in there. And then in Studio E, which is actually next door, is Enrique Iglesias. <laughs> so I'm like, this is odd. <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah, I'm like, we do not should not be. And then I remember going into the they had like a break room, and it's all fogged out. It's like you couldn't even see in there. And Missy Elliott is in there with her people smoking weed. I'm like, this is just a whole different world. <laughs> so <laughs> so yeah. you were like super duper fly. <laughs> yeah, pretty much, pretty much. It was and it was awesome. I'm like this is the world I want to be in, but. But um, but yes, yeah, so that was I don't know 2003, and that was kind of our height. And they they um paid for us to record some songs there, and still to this day, the UFC uses uh, one or two of our songs. I still get royalties for it and stuff like that. Sweet. And then what happened was what really held us back, I think, is all of us had careers, so we weren't like the average band, starving artist. You know, I had at, by 2000 three or four, I owned a house, I had a car payment, you know, same thing with all the other guys in the band. So it was kind of like, it got to the point, do you make that leap and live on $20 a day and give up everything? Or, or you know, do you be responsible? And I think all of us kind of were like, yeah, let's just do this for fun type of thing, you know, because we either can make it or we're probably not. And this was all the time too, when Napster was still becoming huge, when, mm -hmm. you know, CD sales were first starting to plummet and, you know, the industry is stabled, you know, big time. And now they know how to monetize all that stuff, but it wasn't like that back in like 2003, four and five. And more recently we got back together like two years ago, just for the fun of it. And we were, we just jammed for like six months. We wrote an album, recorded it, put it out on Spotify and all the, the, the streaming outlets. So always going to be a part of my life. Um, I got looking in my office now, I'm, I got three guitars hanging on the wall and, you know, play all the time so it's just it's a it's a part of what i do so what was the most memorable time or what was the most memorable part of that whole time for you there are a couple things that stick out um the funniest thing was memorable things was always that like i called myself it was like a weekend rock star so no joke i used to um like friday we'd leave to go play out of town somewhere let's say tampa and then I'd play a show Tampa. I'm signing autographs, taking pictures with people, signing CDs. And then literally come Monday morning, it's uh, thanks for calling Compact Technical Support. This is Joe. <laughs> so <laughs> that was always like the – it was so funny because literally just from like – we didn't like live like a rock star lifestyle. It was just like, you know, it was a totally different world. It was um, get to play on stage, you know, that whole thing. And just to literally just being miserable and just – um you know, getting to record in that, like that Criteria Studios was super memorable. I met one of my idols, like Pantera is um, one of my favorite all-time bands. And I got to play with Dimebag Daryl in 2004 before he passed. Um, we played a huge show in Orlando and they we got to open, we're one of the opening bands. It was us, Damage Plan, Static X, Drowning Pool, a bunch of bands. And 
he was so cool. He's like, yeah, why don't you come out on stage when we play walk, you know, and we're like, okay. And that was super, super memorable. So getting to meet one of my idols and actually be on stage with him was, was super, super cool. And so how involved are you with the, like the whole music scene right now? I mean, I know obviously you're not in a band currently, but do you still go out and listen to other bands or there's anybody that's out currently that you're really digging into right now? Unfortunately, no. Uh, and, and that's the thing. I mean, I'll still go to concerts. Absolutely. I mean, I, I love the energy of, of going to a concert, you know, but local bands, I mean, the scene is so weird. It used to be, you know, it ebbs and flows like anything else, but I haven't been to like an actual local band show in, in at least two, three years, but you know, big concert, like Metallica comes down, I'm going to see them. Um, I just saw that Guns N' Roses announced a, a Miami date. So I might go to that. We'll see. So, but yeah. Microsoft just takes up too much of my time. <laughs> oh my gosh! Well, and who wants to see really fat Axel? Oh, I'm sorry. Did I say that? No, wrong? no. I, you know, I agree. I completely agree. It's just Slash is pretty much my all-time favorite guitar player. But luckily, I got to see him like two or three years ago. He came down with his, his Slash's, you know, sideband thing or whatever, and they played at the Hard Rock, and it was a smaller venue, and so that was awesome. I'm like, I'm happy. Yeah, unfortunately, I uh, yeah, back back in those days when I was in college, I was going to uh, shows a lot. I wasn't in the, the metal side at all uh, of stuff, but we were. I was always going to the to music shows and stuff like that. And you know, I, I get I get married, and my wife's not a big music person, so we don't go to concerts or anything like that anymore. It's like, <laughs> Richie, sorry. I'll take you to a concert. <laughs> Yeah, but I'm not doing that metal crap because you know some people get hurt I, in that mosh pit and stuff like that. I like everything. I I'm just an appreci. I listen to all music. Like um, metal is my favorite, but I listen to literally everything. Sasso so will tell you what I'm listening to right now. What's that? Oh, I heard on your last uh, podcast the Hamilton soundtrack. Yeah. Yep. The Hamilton well, now, soundtrack. now that the mixtape has dropped, it's been all that. You know, and, and in fact, my kids are just totally like in, into into the Hamilton soundtrack. I walk out for lunch and they're singing Hamilton. I'm like. Oh boy, and I look at my wife, and she's just shaking her head like, "Oh boy," <laughs> it's like I can't stop them. It's like, "Oh well." Did you just say dropped? Yes, I said dropped. How old are you? I, I am. I am older than you, son. And you better watch your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm gonna get that old man strength on you, and I'll put you in your okay. place. That's true. Oh That's true. <laughs> oh man. So, so speaking of, of what Richie's listening to, what's on your playlist right now, Joe? Mine currently, I've had the new Metallica album on repeat. Actually, I'll tell you exactly. Uh, the new Metallica album, I listen, I switch between that and, uh, is it Dead Mouse? Is that how you pronounce it? The yeah, Dead Mouse. Stuff? I listen to yeah. that in the background for developing. It's awesome. And I listen to a ton of classic rock, like mostly like Pink Floyd is 100%. Like I listen to that probably more than anything. So Pink Floyd, Metallica, Dead Mouse, And, you know, if I am going to listen to hip hop, I listen to like some 90s hip hop. Oh, taking so. it back to the gold age, man. The mm-hmm. gold school. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I'm actually on that playlist on uh, on uh, Spotify. Spotify. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, that's there exactly go. it. The, go- <laughs> that's the gold it. school. The gold school. Yeah, that's yep. right. That's there. Yeah, so, so that's what I listen to. But um, I love the... I know, I guess it's called EDM now. I love that music for when I'm developing and trying to think and stuff. It's just... Gets me in that groove. Yeah, you know, for me, it's it's, you know, Dead Mouse is okay. I just can't, you know, focus on that. It, it's I'd rather Daft Punk. I um, love them it, too. If I need to focus, and and you know, whether that's you know, any one of their their many albums, or um, or just a shuffle on them, or even just to try on Legacy soundtrack, because that that's just that is one of my 
favorite albums, that Tron Legacy soundtrack is amazing. Yes. See, Cecil? Yeah. See? Yeah. I'm not it crazy. Is. Yeah, you've, you've been talking about that for a while. Actually, yeah. you should listen to it at some point. Uh, the I the production it. on that, the actual sound production on that, and um, was it Random Access Memories? The sound production on that album yeah. Yeah. is just out of this world. It's not only that, but how they how they took the old and then they yes. made it new, and it wasn't just some 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 random hey some dance mix or whatever like that. Nope. I mean, it was actual. We're gonna. We're gonna merge this with uh, a real movie soundtrack, and we're gonna come up with this crazy new thing. It is really enjoyable. I mean, I yeah. totally dig it. Absolutely, yeah. Good call, man. You're not as old as I thought. High five. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Like, what about you, Cecil, man? I mean, what are you listening to, bro? What am I listening to right now? Let me see. What do I got on Spotify right now? So I too, I've been listening to the, the Hamilton soundtrack too, to be honest with you. I really like um, a lot of the songs that are on there, particularly the, the mixtape one. So I've been listening to that. Um, I'm still a little bit of a hip-hop head. So I, I listen to like, you know, Childish Gambino. Um, I've been listening to a lot of, um, you know, J. Cole. I think it depends because one of the things I, I usually do, I always look and see what's in the new releases on Spotify. Um, it's one of the things I always used to do that when I was in iTunes too. Like I'll go and see what's on new releases. Or I'll I'll dig through the new artists and you know I'll listen to artists that I'm familiar with and I always try and see if I could pick at least one or two people that I don't know to kind of just kind of see you know what does it sound like and you know what are what are what are you know what are some new artists that I may or may not be able to get into kind of thing. So nothing new has really caught me for the past week yet, but you know we'll, we're working on it. Yeah, I totally do the same with uh, some of the alt rock stuff. You know, it's just it's not poppy, and so that's kind of that's kind of why I dig it. But you know, um, even like some with the older folks, uh, the older stuff like uh, Radiohead has a new album out that's it's really good, and um, things like The Rex and Swimmers and Twenty One Pilots and um, the Struts. You know, those those type of, of bands, and you know, if they're they've got some new stuff, you know, just just plugging in. You know, Spotify makes it really easy because other people curate their lists, and you just follow their list, and it's like, oh look, there's something new here, and you just. Right. Check it out and see what's what's going down. I just pasted in the chat too one of my uh, favorite playlists I listen to. It's uh, Mellow Beats on Spotify. It's like all instrumental, just oh. beats from songs that you know and stuff like that. It's just a really good, just um, you know, uh, background background music. Oh, so you know what I do Beats. when I want to get background music? So I go into genres and moods, right? In mm-hmm. in Spotify, and then you go into mood. And then somewhere in there, there's one called, it's just called Chill. Uh, chill Work, would, is that it? Yeah, I think so. Yep. And I just, I just put it on in the background. It's purely just, usually just pure instrumentals, you know, yep. like just playing in the back, no words. And you could just kind of have it playing and like you wouldn't even notice it, but it's, it's so relaxing. You know what I mean? Particularly when you just, you don't want anything too loud, nothing too distracting. And you kind of right. just want to focus a little bit. You know, Spotify is pretty amazing because I play this, um, it's almost like this role, it's like a board role-playing game with my daughter called Mice and Mystics. And you, you get turned into mice and you have to battle other mice and it's very much like a dungeon crawler. And someone had made a um, almost like a, a, a role-playing playlist. And it, it's about, uh-huh. yeah, it's, it's about um, 50 songs long and we just turned it on and you have like all this environmental music 
that's going on as you're playing the board game with the miniatures and you're fighting other mice and doing all this other stuff and doing essentially doing dungeon crawly things. And it totally just changes uh, the mood of, you know, you playing the game. You know, you add music to it and all of a sudden it's, you know, things get a little more tense and, you know, oh no, someone just, you know, you know, just got captured and, and you're, and you're kind of, your emotions just kind of get ramped up just a little bit just be, by having, you know, the right music being played at the same time you're playing it. Absolutely. That's awesome. So, so Joe, so it's, it's December right now, you know, time of recording, it's, you know, pretty much the beginning of December and, you know, it's, it's just so crazy to me that it's already December because I remember not too long ago, I was asking our guests, hey, what are you looking forward to for 2016? And now 2016 is over. I so, know. Tell me about it. Right. So, so Joe, what, I guess what I'd ask you is now that we're moving forward to a new year, we're looking forward to 2017. You know, what are some of the things that you're looking forward to in the coming year? Well, for me personally, uh, having our baby girl in January, so that's going to be taking nice. up a huge um, chunk of time. I don't know how much time I'm going to take off just yet, uh, but that's uh, that's really going to dictate everything I do for the first at least couple months of the year. Um, and then other than that, I'm just looking forward to, you know, for me, it's just always learning more and uh, meeting new people in the community and seeing uh, how I can help people out. We'd like to thank Joe for being a guest on the show. It was great to have the opportunity to chat with him. If you like the show, please tell your friends and leave a comment on the website at awayfromthekeyboard.com. Also, remember to check us out on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash AFTKpodcast and on Twitter at AFTKpodcast. You can follow me on Twitter at Cecil Phillip and Richie at Jarris. That's J-O-R-R-I-S-S. You can subscribe to the show via the website, SoundCloud, Google Play Music, or on iTunes. And if you really want to know what makes us tick, sign up to our newsletter where you get extra episodes and behind-the-scenes access to Away From The Keyboard. Next on Away From The Keyboard, we'll have software developer Luis Atencio. The most challenging part of writing a book is, is that you're up front. You need to come up with a table of contents that you're going to write about in a year, right? And that, to me, is just mind-bending. Like, how can you predict... You know exactly what you're going to be writing about a year from now. All right, get out of here. Bye. We want to thank you for listening to Away from the Keyboard. As a reminder, we will have new episodes each and every week. You can interact with us on Twitter at AFTK Podcast or at awayfromthekeyboard.com. Hasta luego!
whoever, sure. you know? Yep. Yeah, I think that's going to be like the de facto option going forward. Like it just, just makes sense. Yep. Okay, we could start okay. the show. Sorry. All right, let's start. The We've show. already started. See, this is what happens when you put technical people in a room together. Right? <laughs> <laughs> this is this is what always happens. Okay, so I don't even know where to start now. Um, so, so Joe, pretty much what we want to do, and what I wanted to, to kind of focus on starting off with is, you know, obviously this episode is going to be about you and what you've done, and we want to get really into kind of taking like a little journey between where you started and where you are today. You okay. Know what I mean? Um so what I kind of wanted to talk about was so obviously, you know, a little bit of your past um being in a band um you know, obviously, you know, getting into Microsoft, owning your own company, um you know, anything else in between there that you think that might be interesting for us to kind of okay. mention. Um, also too, if there's anything that you do not want to talk about and anything that you don't feel comfortable discussing, um, again, just let us know. We could completely avoid that, you know, that okay. conversation too. No, um, no, I mean, there's nothing really that, um, no, I'm good. I think, uh, yeah. It, should we have a safe word? <laughs> so tell us about the drugs, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, my old, um, my old boss from one of the companies I worked for, uh, was one of the largest data theft in history. He went to jail for eight years. That was fun. Ooh. Send a link on that. Okay, great. Let's let's talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> that Absolutely. Um, hold on. I'm just making some notes for myself so I don't forget. And then sure. Um, boom, 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 boom. 